Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to the In Doubt Show. Welcome. Welcome. Yeah, I know. Yeah, everyone. Settle down. Settle down. Yeah, we got a great program today. Fantastic program today. And we're talking about something very important today. Do you promise to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? So help you God. Yeah, that's that's exactly what I don't know who that was, but that's exactly what we're talking about. We're talking about truth today. You know, we hear this saying a lot. Your truth is your truth. My truth is my truth. Well, what is truth? We're going to talk about truth today with Steve Kim. Enjoy the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the In-Depth Show. We got a fantastic show today. Just want to remind you before we dive into a really big topic today, please like, subscribe, hit the notification bell. That would be awesome. You can stay in touch with us as we continue to give you uh, good content. Also, if you're listening in Audio World, Spotify, and Apple, wherever you listen to podcasts, um, hit the rating. We really appreciate it. That will really be awesome. We're talking about something really huge today. A lot of young people are talking about this, your truth, my truth, not even young people, all people. And so we're going to talk about truth today, absolute truth today. Um, it's going to be a great conversation. But first, Chris, how are you? I'm good. Awesome. We're trying this again. Uh, Brandon, take your stuff. Yeah. Just uh, last time until he shows up. And you know, takes he, his maybe stuff. he knew and he thought, oh, I don't want yep. to take my stuff. And so uh, we're going to try again. So uh, when you hear yep. this music, ladies and gentlemen, it'll take us on a journey. You know who it is? The man, the myth, the legend. We all love him. Uh, Arthur, how you doing, buddy? <laughs> Good man. <laughs> um, that voicemail was that in an episode where you called me? Yes. You- <laughs> and I'm glad you yeah. watched the show. Yeah. <laughs> Has that aired? I haven't seen that one yet. Has that? No, oh, that hasn't aired yet. Actually, it hasn't, so okay. I just, you know, well, it clear. will have aired by this time. But, oh yes, yes. yes so you yes. can go back and watch. Oh, I thought the show was live. <laughs> You're the worst. <laughs> okay. In my defense, um, half this stuff isn't my. This is, this is yours. This was gifted to you. Close C forty yeah, they're called C forty sevens, which okay. is a film term. Um yeah, these are for you, oh, Andrew. Okay. Or uh, Marcus actually, video guy. Um he, he and this is actually yours as well. Okay, I the, don't even know what the, oh it's like this gear? Is, oh, I don't know if we can show this on. <laughs> yeah, no, it's just do, like camera gear. Okay. Um that's oh, oh and that's oh that oh what's this? Is that Ben Lowell's journal? <laughs> I don't is this my are you sure this is my stuff? This may have been Ben's stash. Does it say anything Speaking about of me? stashes, I shaved mine. <laughs> you have. You look great. You look five years younger. Does it have? What does it say about me? What does it say about me? We'll be right back after these messages. Okay, no, I can't. It, it actually <sighs> has just scribbles. Oh yeah, just scribbles. There's a little things I thought. love and hate about Andrew. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Oh, Ben, if you're watching still, we love you. Um, uh, Brendan, I mean, Arthur, you're doing good? Good, you're, man. You're, your, voice, your voicemail said, uh, this is Arthur from... That's my middle name. Okay. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, some okay, people so you, go by oh, okay, Arthur. So I, thought, I didn't know if Brendan was your middle name and you go... Okay. Brendan is my first name. Okay. Yeah. Brendan Arthur. Yeah. Um, you're doing well, though. It's good to have you. Amazing. It's good to have you show up. Oh, there's another one. Really? Okay. As he's sorry, reading that sorry. journal, we're going to introduce the guest because you can <laughs> keep reading. No problem. That's fantastic. Um, we had him on the show a few months back, and we talked about Buddhism and how the main goal for Buddhism is to hit nirvana. In case you missed it, here's a recap. Yeah. 
anyways, it was a really good episode. Uh, we encourage you to go back. It's on the resources page on our website. Uh, Steve Kim, how's it going? Welcome back, man. Doing great. This is awesome, Good to be man. here. I'm um, back in the promised land come where on. it doesn't freeze over. Yes. Uh, yes. yes. You're, you're away from Alberta. What is it freezing there right now? Uh, actually, we've been having a really mild winter. Okay. Uh, normally around this time, as we're recording this, normally around this time, there's snow in the ground and yeah. it doesn't go above zero during the day, but it's been like almost like Vancouver. I'm like, Oh, interesting. What? Yeah. So I'm going to enjoy it while I can. Absolutely, man. Um, I noticed we had like matching, kind of matching crosses. Yeah. So we were talking about this. It's kind of hard to show. Yeah, it is. Right there. So this is a Coptic cross. And I found out actually just recently that you're actually of Egyptian descent. Yes. Yes. Right. So this is, um, as you know all too well, because you've got one too, this is a centuries-old Coptic Christian tradition to mark their actually right wrist yep. with a cross. And I actually learned from you just like before we started recording yeah. this that the reason uh, people do it on the right wrist is that when you actually reach out to shake somebody's hand, yes. it actually identifies you as Christian. Yep. And all the persecutions that might come with it, like you're you're just kind of sticking your neck out there yep. kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I got this cause I was uh, inspired by that story. Mm. And so I got it as a way of kind of remembering that there are my brothers and sisters in mm. Christ that are persecuted around the world. And mm. so I, from time to time, I pray for them. Amazing. And, uh, yeah, I call it my Western privilege, right? It's this honking big thing on my left wrist. Normally it's really modest and small on the right wrist, but... Well, you all like I was just afraid of the needle pain. I mean, obviously Brendan's not afraid. I mean, he's still reading Ben's journal, huh? <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but um, mine's a small one. Actually, fun fact: my dad actually. This? Okay. Do you remember this? This is the team meeting, the marketing. Me- I'm uh, sorry. I'm totally. Yeah. Do you remember is, that? Yeah, we used to. That was crazy. What is it? So we basically we write we each write it was a big circle of us. We each write one word, and add to a story. And then one person writes the next word, and then we just oh, come up with hilarious. the most ridiculous So instead thing. of having to answer yeah. questions at the beginning of the oh, meeting, yeah, that's yeah, funny. Yeah. we used to have fun. Oh, we used to have fun. Yeah, wow, okay. this real qu- the mansion stood old and ancient among the town of fat donkeys. Oh, Suddenly, okay. the mayor <laughs> shouted, Velociraptor! He started vomiting <laughs> and racing to the... <laughs> the something, but then the door slammed. He slept. Goodly. <laughs> Anyway, back to the show. <laughs> I can't wait for you to take all your crap home and you can read about it. You can read it when you get home. But anyways, this cross, my dad actually drew this cross and oh. I brought it to the place. Oh, cool. and they, oh. So it's actually like really, really special. But all my grandparents and aunts and uncles, all the people um, who were born and raised in Egypt have a little cross, which is kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so I saw that. I'm like, oh, that's really cool, man. Yeah. I love that. So we're talking about something today that I think is very, very important. And by we talking, I mean me, Chris, and Steve, because Ben is obviously... Uh, ben? I mean, <laughs> why? I used to always call you Ben. Do you remember that? that? Is, yeah, ben and Brendan? That. Oh, yeah, man, it's it crazy. pretty funny. Um, anyways, Brendan's busy. Uh, but uh, talking about your truth, my truth, mm-hmm. um, I've heard this many times yeah. from all kinds of people. You know, we're a Young Adults podcast, but and a lot of young people are wrestling with these realities of what the world is telling us, but... Mm. Um, it's it goes beyond just young adults. Yeah, this is a language and a theology that many people are hearing and talking about. And so, um, when we hear this, like, where where do you think this 
theology came from, this idea of like, hey, your truth is my truth, whatever. Your truth is your truth, my truth is my truth. I think there are different like streams of thought that kind of went into this. Uh, some people will, in, in the world of philosophy, might point to Immanuel Kant. Mm -hmm. And the guy, I mean, the guy was a Christian, um, but some of his philosophies were like, okay, there is the real world out there but we can't really know it directly. Right. It always comes mediated through our senses and, right. and those kinds of things. And so there, there is that idea that starts to develop there in philosophy where, okay, there's the real world, hmm. but we can't know it directly. So, and then as that kind of, as that thought starts to develop later, you have this sort of, well, there's only interpretations right. of what is real, right. what appears to us. Uh, and so all you have are these conflicting interpretations of reality rather than, so nobody really knows what's real. And then there's the sort of other, more the religious side where, you know, it's this, uh, some of that influence from more Eastern philosophies like Hinduism. Like if you go to India, right, they're very relativistic about it. And mm. a lot of people there are very comfortable with holding two or three, four different beliefs that are, straight up contradictory and they're, they're comfortable with that because they come at it with this notion of nobody has the full truth right right everybody has bits and pieces and so on and so forth interesting and it reminds me uh talking about contradictions the last episode we did with buddhism yeah um i just had one more question about it because maybe this is connected yeah but you talk about how you know uh, when people are suffering they're mm -hmm. supposed to go through that suffering so, but we also want to do like good deeds and help. Yeah. How does that work if it's like someone helps someone from suffering, but they're supposed to suffer, then it, you're interrupting. Yeah. yeah that, that's a bit more on the Hinduism side of yeah. things. But yeah, one of the sort of the darker sides of karma, the reason we love karma is because I think I said this last time that it appeals to our sense of justice, mm. right? So we love that. But at the same time, if you take it to its logical conclusion, there's no room for compassion hmm. because when somebody is suffering, that person is paying off the karmic debt, yeah. all the the evil stuff you might right, say right. that mm. he has done in past lives. So if you're suffering and I step in to help you, I'm actually getting in your way. I'm yeah, not doing yeah. you any favor. So then how does that work? Like as far as, um, I know we're kind of a little bit on a side tangent, <laughs> but I'm just curious, like how does that work if someone wants to do good deeds. Mm -hmm. Well, you're just going to have to... but You can't. Well, <laughs> that, that's that's a little bit difficult, right? I mean, it, it's not that, you know, Hinduism has no room for compassion. I mean, obviously you want to do good. Yeah. But it's just going to have these... I mean, at, at least from my perspective, it's going to have all these like conflicts of interest, yeah. if you will, right? Yeah, like, for sure. Somebody needs to suffer, but you want to do good. Um, but there may be other things where you're doing good, where you're not necessarily necessarily alleviating somebody's suffering, right? Mm. So you're just, I don't know, you want to just give a nice gift to somebody, right? Yeah. I mean, that's not necessarily alleviating somebody's yeah, yeah. suffering. Yeah. So there might be room there, but... It's interesting. I mean, like, going back to, like, you know, relativism or going back to just, you know, how easy it is to have contradict. Like, everything is just... Mm. It's just really hard to land anywhere. Right. And it just causes so many young people just confusion and it's mm -hmm. chaotic. Um, I just saw a post 
on my Instagram of someone showing that Kim Kardashian won Man of the Year for GQ Magazine 2023. And I'm going to read you a couple of little things that it says on this because I just thought it was very um, interesting and crazy. Wait, are you serious? I'm not even kidding. And it shows her <laughs> with a picture of like a messed up, like a raggedy suit with a bag of Cheetos. Nice. So first of all, that's what... Bag of Cheetos. I, I Cheetos. Explain that one to me. What does bag yeah. of Cheetos have to do with man? Being a man. We're about to find out. We're about to As find a man, out. I love Cheetos, but that's about it. <laughs> yeah. So it's like this. It's this like raggedy picture. She's having Cheetos. She's standing by the water cooler. It's like so ridiculous. Raggedy. But this is relativism because we're going to be talking about this obviously today. Yeah. Relativism, the doctrine that knowledge, truth, and morality exist in relation to culture, society, or historical context and are no are and are not absolute. And so when we blur the lines and there's no absolute, mm-hmm. now we have someone with a bag of Cheetos and that just qualifies them as man of the year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand. That's I mean crazy. like wow. That's just that's just crazy. Groundbreaking. It's yeah. crazy. Inspiring. Or they would say, it seems crazy to you, but it makes perfect sense to us, yeah. right? I mean, that's sort of the relativist thinking. Yeah, You know, I, I find that uh, people hold to relativism for different reasons. Hmm. See, I, when I was growing up, um, for those of you who didn't know, like I grew up in South Korea with lots of Buddhism around me and all that yeah. kind of stuff. And so in my family, we had this bit of a split. You know, some of us were Catholic, others were Buddhist and... So our sort of attitude, especially from the Buddhist side of my family, was, well, you know, basically you do you, mm-hmm. right? Uh, you believe what you believe, we believe what we believe, right? Mm-hmm. It's just kind of, you know, it's it's all relative kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. And so I find that there are a couple of reasons, a cu- couple of motives behind that. One is they just want to be left alone. Yeah. I don't want to talk about this. Yeah. And it's a roundabout way of saying that. Yeah. Um, some... Other people, like when I came to Canada, you know, it's even more diverse in terms of worldviews and, and whatnot. And I find that people here just generally want to be, yeah, there's some of that. I don't want to really delve into this. I'm not interested in this. So it's a, a way of kind of pulling out of the conversation. But then also you want to be respectful, yeah, right? Because people often identify themselves with what they believe. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so to sort of, attack even to use a stronger word or to question to use a softer word what somebody believes you're basically attacking or questioning that person yeah because their identity is in what they yeah yeah and so yeah i i I do find that there are a couple of different motives um and a, a lot of young people when they say that and and older people too actually um there's some of that there in yeah. the background mm. i can see that being like a hey we just just no drama. Mm-hmm. Don't offend anyone. We just want yeah. to don't you, rock the boat. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, what happens when you go down that road, though? Mm-hmm. Of you know, your truth is yours, mine's mine. Let's just yeah. you know. I mean, I understand the respectfulness of Canadians wanting to just hey, <laughs> you know, we want to be you know good. Mm-hmm. Where are the dangers when it gets into like relativism or tribalism or you know what happens in in yeah. that world? Well, one problem is that when there is no sort of objective truth and it's just your truth, my truth, it be, it does 
um, divide people. It becomes tribalistic. Mm. Uh, everything is supposed to be relative and equal, but the truth is, huh, uh, the reality of it is, it never stays equal for long. It mm. it it will. There will be power struggle because if everything is relative, there's no absolute truth or objective truth. At the end, it's going to turn into might makes right, hmm. right? Uh, and so, so I think that's why we see in our culture right now, there's a lot of sort of this tribalistic back and forth, right? Protests everywhere because it it, it is boiling down to might makes right. Whoever shouts the loudest, whoever, you know, um, is more aggressive about it, that's the view that's going to be exposed and that's the one that's going to sort of sway the culture interesting Mm -hmm. we see that a lot Mm -hmm. that's happening a lot oh yeah wow so we have truth available to us Mm -hmm. um let's walk through you know what the bible defines truth Mm -hmm. and i know you know we when we did our last series last year on buddhism and mormonism and different you know faith backgrounds we understood what they believe are their truths mm-hmm. but as christians what would the bible tell us about truth how would the bible define truth yeah you know that's a great question i, I want to get to that question but i want to yeah. come at it from way over yeah, here it, first so truth like how does it work mm-hmm. right because we use that word a lot yeah but what what does it even mean yeah so this is how truth works this is called the correspondence theory of truth so basically the idea is, well, let, let's do it this way. Why don't you guys tell me something that is just blatantly not true? <laughs> I can have I got a so much dairy and nothing would happen to my bowels. <laughs> TMI, but love it. But love unless, it. You, unless you get your special pills. Unless I have my special pills. <laughs> That's right. Shout out to lactate. <laughs> Um, yeah. Can you tell me a something, blatant... something that's blatantly not true? <laughs> oh, blatantly not from true. From the journal. <laughs> well, Ben has, no, no. has told me. Uh... <laughs> here's here's another non truth. Brendan has a wonderful mustache right now. Mm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It looks so good. I love the curls. Thanks, <laughs> Thanks man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but that's interesting what you did just now, right? Mm-hmm. So l- let's think about this. How did that work just now? We said Brandon has this nice mustache, right? And we know that I love how you say mustache, by mustache. the way. Way more <laughs> yeah. elegant. <The> mustache. <laughs> mustache. <Yeah>. <laughs> mustache. <laughs> Sorry. Now I actually can figure that it has curls. Uh, it's like oh, Marcus's. That, oh, the curls it gives me the... Oh, come Any. on. He had the best curls Dude, ever. His he curls shaved were it. huge. They were huge. Yeah. But it's interesting. I mean, we were all laughing about it because we can clearly see it's not true. Mm-hmm. But then you did something really interesting because to see whether that's true or not, what did you do? You just started feeling for it, right? <laughs> Wait, did I? Is it gone? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And and so that actually says a lot about how truth actually works because a truth is a matching relationship between a thought or an idea or a statement and then what actually is the case. Mm. If it matches, we call it true. In this case, this statement, Brandon has a nice mustache, doesn't <laughs> is that a little too mustache? <laughs> mustache. <laughs> Sorry, I just love. Glanced to, oh, for half a second, I was like, 
You're <laughs> <laughs> just staring right at me. Sorry. So then uh, that statement doesn't match what is actually the case, mm-hmm. right? So we know that's not true. And then he true. fact-checked. I fact-checked. Yeah, he fact-checked. Yeah. But then if if Brennan were to actually have that, <laughs> I, I hesitate to say mustache yeah, now. I'm like, yeah. oh, have if, the hair up there on the upper yeah, lip. Uh, there. <laughs> and then that then that statement matches what actually is yeah, the case, and yeah. that's true. Yeah. So that's the same thing. Now, when it comes to different religious views or worldviews, really, I, I prefer to say worldviews because everybody has worldviews. Mm-hmm. And religion really, I know religion is a really kind of a difficult concept to define, like it's notoriously difficult. Mm-hmm. But I found this definition really helpful that religion is a take on reality. Hmm. Religion is a take on reality. So Christians, we have our take on reality. Buddhists have their take on reality. Muslims have their take on reality, so on and so forth, right? So a Buddhist will say, you actually don't exist and we're caught in this you know, cycle of reincarnation, samsara, and we need to detach from the world, cease to desire, that sort of thing, right? We all talked about that last year. And... Christians, of course, will say, well, Jesus Christ is the Son of God who came to save us from our sins, and now we are adopted into God's spiritual family, and we're going to inherit his kingdom, so on and so forth. So it's a take on reality. So the question is, does that take on reality actually match what is the case? Hmm. Right? Now, then that starts to open up all kinds of doors. Of So that's how truth works. So, so truth is by nature, exclusive. If, if the Buddhist view of the world is true, then Christianity's take on the world is false. It doesn't match what actually is the case, mm. right? And vice versa. Um, <clears throat> so you're saying there can only be one truth? One truth. That's really hard for a lot of people probably yeah, it's to so swallow. Yeah, so interesting. You, you pitch that, which makes perfect totally. sense. Yeah. Um, but it's so incredibly uncomfortable and pushed uncomfortable. against yeah. for many people. Because yeah. it, it makes you sound arrogant. Totally. Yeah. Like you you yeah. have it, right? Yeah. Um and and there is there I can understand that, mm-hmm. right? Uh but the reality of it is like I I have reasonable confidence that my worldview is true. Nobody knows things. Like there are very few things in the world that you know with like 100% certainty, mm-hmm. right? A lot of the times in my line of work, you know, I might hear an atheist friend say, well, you say God exists, prove it. So my question immediately is, what do you mean by prove? Because if you are talking about it in terms of like 100% certainty, like you're not going to get that with most things, mm-hmm. right? I mean... Uh, other than very few things like, you know, I exist or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, in mm-hmm. philosophy, we talk about these sorts of things where like, how do, how can you prove that the world didn't pop into existence five seconds ago with the appearance of age? Like, so that we have food in our stomach that we didn't eat and it just popped into existence five seconds ago. Well, you can't disprove that, but you also have no good reason to doubt that this world is actually older than five seconds, you know, that sort of thing. Mm. But, and so like, I, I'm reasonably confident that my view is true, but I'm not, not like a hundred percent certain mm-hmm. I could be wrong. And so, and, and everybody's like that, mm-hmm. whether they, they realize it or not. And so sometimes I, I feel that it's a little bit, uh, 
maybe unfair is not the right word, but I, I, I think it misses the mark when people say, oh, you're arrogant because you, you think your view is true. But the reality is everybody thinks their view is true at some level. Yeah. And that's why we yeah. need to dialogue to hash out yeah. what, what's going on here. Mm-hmm. Man, okay. So so I wonder, like, I mean, let's we'll get to the biblical, what the Bible mm-hmm. says about truth, but what is some um, words of wisdom or advice that for Christians yeah. to not sound arrogant? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, f- I mean, for one, I think we need to understand the difference between logical certainty and psychological certainty. Mm. Logical certainty is something like, you know, well, two plus two equals. Mm. I mean, the answer is... Easily five, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> you're draining Stop. all hope I have, faith I have in <laughs> education. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that that's a logical certainty. When you have two and two together, yeah. it has to be four. Yeah. But that's different from psychological certainty, mm. right? Somebody can be psychologically like super certain... Like say a Christian can be super psychologically certain about her faith, and but really when you actually examine what she believes, like it m- might be a little bit more tenuous than that, right? Mm-hmm. So it, it's helpful. Like I mean, you can be psychologically super certain, but when you are actually talking to somebody, just leave that room open, that possibility that you might actually be wrong, right? Uh, all that all that you need is really have good reason to believe that what what you believe is true. And so when you're kind of dialoguing, and then this is the really critical part, right? Like I said last year on Buddhism, just you need to do a lot of listening. Yeah. Rather than just saying what you believe, you actually want to investigate what that person believes. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's going to open up and actually try to understand it rather than just kind of listen to it so that you can use it as ammo to fire back. But you actually want to understand and, you know, uh Often what I try to do is when somebody says something, I'll try to paraphrase it and give it back to that person to make sure that I got it right. Mm-hmm. And I'll ask, did I get that right? Is that a fair description of what you believe? Is that is that accurate? Because that person then feels heard. Mm-hmm. That person feels like I actually am taking what he's saying seriously. And if I'm wrong anywhere, he can actually correct me. So it's, it's a benefit to me. But one thing that we uh, need to kind of keep in the back of our mind is that to understand something is not necessarily to accept that view. So you don't have to worry about, oh, am I compromising my beliefs by you know entertaining these thoughts? No, you're just trying to understand it. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's yeah. a good word. That's a good word. Okay, so what does the Bible say about truth? Yeah, so earlier I said about how, you know, this truth is this matching relationship between a thought, idea... Or, or a statement, and what actually is the case, and so what what the what that means is this: what really is the case, or we might say reality, is the thing that determines the truth, not the other way around. Hmm. Um, I we can try to have this like spiritual constipation and just try to make this real that Brendan actually has this mustache, but that's not going to happen. It's not real. hair follicles are there. <laughs> you could make a case that I have a mustache right now. <laughs> yeah. So so then that's a matter of semantics, right? Yeah, now exactly. we're trying to find yeah. what a mustache is. It's a bit of a reach. Yeah. But that's how people operate. Yeah. That's how people operate. Yeah, yeah that's true. And and so, hey, that's true. Um, I was going to say, is it? Is it? <laughs> Prove one, provide one example. <laughs> so what determines truth there is what actually is the case rather than what we're mm-hmm. saying, what we're thinking. Mm-hmm. So we can't think 
or believe our way into making something true. Unless it you always in manifestation. <laughs> oh gosh. Yeah, that's a whole. That's, that's literally. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But that's that actually what they they can like. It, they kind of take the truth and then they they swap it with. I feel like that's yeah. how manifesting yeah. sometimes works. Totally. Sorry. Yeah. No, that you. that's true. That that's a huge like can of worms. I'm not sure. I want to open just <laughs> so yet. Sorry. Yeah. No, I don't think we should. But <laughs> so that's then, interesting. When we come to the Bible, what we see is. A, a picture of reality where God actually creates the world. Uh, again, be, just because I, I talked about Buddhism last year, this this is an example that I often use. Buddhism teaches that all of this is an illusion. Right. Whereas Christianity teaches that actually God created the world and it is real and it is good. Mm-hmm. And you can actually know reality. That's how God built us. Right, He built us in such a way that we can have right relationship with God, with mm-hmm. one another, and with nature. Uh, God is a God of uh, rationality, order, not of chaos and confusion. And he is a God of love, so he has our best interest in mind. And according to that, we actually have the capacity to know him, know one another, have this loving relationship with everyone, and steward his creation. Now, what I love about Christianity, though, that it goes beyond that even, that truth is not mere correspondence between our thoughts and reality. It's actually a living person. Mm. John 14, 6, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, right? So in Christianity, it goes beyond, truth goes beyond just mere information and mere data to a living person. And I think that actually fulfills a lot of this longing within our hearts. Oh, such a good word and good reminder. All right, so what what role does the Bible attribute to personal experiences in mm-hmm. shaping one's understanding of truth? Mm-hmm. And how does that relate to this broader concept of objective truth? Yeah, now, that's a great question. What I love about that question is there's two things. There's truth and there's understanding the truth. And I think there's a lot there because it is one thing to know a proposition mm. It's another thing to actually understand it and actually have some appreciation for it. So I, I think of Job, for example, right? Um, Job is famous for, he's really a symbol of suffering, hmm. um, but he's more than that. He, he is not just a symbol of suffering. He actually comes out on the other end. So if you were to ask Job at the beginning of the book, and say, Job, is God good? What do you think he'll say, right? Yeah, of course he's good, right? In fact, um, the accuser, right, or, or the, the enemy um, comes along, and that's his challenge to God. God says, have you considered my servant Job? He's a righteous guy. And, and Satan's like, yeah, you make things too easy for him. Let me, let me have at him, right? And then God gives him permission to actually bring suffering. Um, so with all the, you know, if the enemy is right, you know, God has been really good to him, made life easy for him. So if you were to ask Job, is God good? He would have said, yeah, he's good. But then he goes through all that suffering, right? His entire family is dead. Um, and then the the one remaining family member, his wife is chastising him right? And just not a very good support. Mm-hmm. And his friends come and I think his friends did one thing right. 
the first thing they did was to sit with him mm -hmm. and just weep in silence. Yes. And I think they, but then they go on to theologize, right? And like, you must have done something wrong, Joe. Like, no, they I did a great wrong. job until they opened their mouths. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just yeah. sit down and shetty. <laughs> so Job is constantly, right? I want an audience with God. Why is he doing this to me? And then God shows up. What does mm -hmm. he do? He doesn't answer any of Job's questions. Yeah. And he's <laughs> like, where were you? Like, he just shows up. Yeah. And his majesty is enough to shut Job's mouth. Yeah. But now he has understanding, right? Because he says, I am so sorry, Lord. I, I spoke into something that I had no knowledge of mm -hmm. and things like that. And God's like, I'm not done with you yet. And he goes on further. But it's interesting. At the end, God is angry with the friends who were theologizing and said, uh, go to my righteous servant, Job. He's the righteous one. He's going to make a sacrifice for you because you guys spoke into things like with, with ignorance and mm. he's, he's angry with them. But having said all of that, uh, all of that to say at the end of the book, if you were to ask Job, is God good? He'll say, yes, the answer will be the same, but his understanding of that mm. proposition will be completely different. Mm. And so it, it's, there is something about, yes, there is truth. There is, I mean, it doesn't change the fact that God is good. But what does that mean? And that's where our experiences can really speak into things. Wow. And we could say much the same about the book of Psalms, right? Because what's really unique about the book of Psalms is that whereas all the other books in the Bible, God is the main character, and this, this book is all about human response to who God is and what God does. And so I think there is something really important to be said about personal experiences that shape our understanding of the truth. Mm. And do you think it's, it's, uh, there's some dangers when people lean more towards mm. personal experience to shape their, under I guess that's when things get a little bit messy mm -hmm. and we lean too much on our personal yeah. experience and it becomes to, you know, make our theology of who God is. Mm. I guess it depends on, what we mean by lean on our personal mm. experiences, because we all do that to an extent. But I think where the danger is, actually, I, I remember I was having this conversation on Facebook years ago. Yes, I'm that old. I, okay. I use Facebook. Facebook. I'm in that crowd. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I, I had a friend from Bible school who happened to be female, right? And she said something and I about her experiences and I responded to it in a certain way. And a third one joined in, this guy um, who was actually quite angry with me. He's like, you can't tell her that her experiences are wrong. And, you know, like I was like, okay, well, I, I apologize. I'm, I'm sorry if I caused any offense. And then later I kind of sat back and thought about it. I'm just like, no, that's not right at all, right? Experiences can't be wrong. Experiences aren't the sort of thing that can be right or wrong. Experiences just are, mm -hmm. right? Experiences just are. But what can be right or wrong is what you make of your experiences, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And and so, it, you know, if, um, let's say, if my car gets rear-ended, right? And I had this experience. I'm mm -hmm. like, okay, 
I can make of it a lot of different things. You know, mm. I, I could be like having this self-pity party. I'm just like, why is this happening to me? You know, God is mad at me and all that kind of yeah. stuff, right? Yeah, you know, God doesn't love me. Like, so there is that experience of getting rear-ended, but I, what I'm making of it mm. is not mm. true, right? So that can be challenged. My experiences can't really be challenged unless, you know, you have some reason to believe that I was hallucinating or something like that. Did that truck really <laughs> exist? Yeah, I know, right? Were you yeah. even in a car? Yeah. yeah. Or yeah. were you just dreaming? You know, yeah. all that kind of stuff. But so I think that's where in our culture, we go so far yeah. on leaning on our personal experiences mm. such that like we think we can't question anybody's Hmm. what they make of their experience Hmm. because we don't make that distinction in the first place. We Hmm. just say, you know, you can't say somebody's experiences are wrong. I'm just like, well, no, you're, you're right. You, you, you Hmm. can't do that. It, but it's only because experiences aren't the sort of thing that can be right or wrong. Hmm. It's category mistake. It's kind of like saying, you know, uh, the color blue smells like number nine. Like, I mean, it's, it's a, it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> heard that before. <laughs> I hate um, that smell. Yeah. yeah. Stinky so number nine. It just doesn't, it's a category <laughs> mistake, but what they make of it, that we should be able to challenge. And that's mm-hmm. how we get, you know, iron sharpens iron kind of thing. That's mm-hmm. how we get shaped. Mm-hmm. It's always, sorry, We I think we've talked about this example like three times, but I'm going to bring it up again because I think it's important how, um, do you remember John Newfeld when he was pastor at uh, a church in Burnaby? Yeah. And he had two different people, very both very traumatic experiences. The first one came in, asked John, is God in this? And the oh, second yeah. person also came in and asked, is God in this? And both people, mm-hmm. very similar experiences, had two completely different uh, conclusions about their mm-hmm. theology and understanding of God. One One said, um, I'm so glad and thankful that God is in this and in control of this. And the other said, um, well, if God's in this, it, how, it, how yeah. could God, yeah. how dare God, yeah. how like, yeah. I can't serve a God that would allow this mm-hmm. to happen. Mm-hmm. Just two completely un- different understandings and right. experiences of, of, of God, I guess. Yeah. And, and now, or conclusions, not experiences. Yeah. But. So then there that that's a great example. So what I would say is that they had their experiences, right? Mm-hmm. Their, their trauma. So I guess it depends on what we mean by experience. Because mm-hmm. sometimes when we say experience, we're including all of that, like how they processed all of this. Mm-hmm. But let's let's if if we think of it this way, it might help. So they had their trauma. So that's their experience. And mm-hmm. that experience, they did something with it. They mm-hmm. processed it in a certain way. One said, how could God do this to me? Another one said, you know, uh, another one, actually, this is bringing this person closer to God. Mm-hmm. And so now when they, when that person is saying, how could God do this to me? That person is actually making a claim about reality mm-hmm. that God did this out of some malice mm-hmm. or perhaps. So mm-hmm. this is now mm-hmm. a claim or a thought, an idea about what might be the case. So the question mm. is, is that really the case? Does mm. it match reality? Mm-hmm. And so that's why we can actually mm. question it and say, is yeah. it, have you, you made something of your trauma. Now, mm. is that good? Is that true mm. or false? Is it good or unhelpful? I'm not even sure they would, they would realize they're doing that. You know what yeah. I mean? Because I, I, they think that it's out of their control or like mm. they're, they're, how, they, how they would respond to it. They yeah. don't realize that like, oh, I'm actually making a claim about God in this sense. Yeah. And that's what I meant about like kind of leaning on experience where it's like your experience is now actually 
teaching you who God is, even though that's not how it should be. Yeah, the other way around. Because mm-hmm. yeah. it's like this guy has an experience or girl, whoever, and it's terrible. Mm-hmm. And uh, okay, God must. They're now they're making claims based mm-hmm. on their experience rather than based on truth. Yeah, you make mm-hmm. something of it, right? Yes. And so then you have to ask, well, is that really the case? Yeah. And uh, and sometimes you know I have to say. We're not simply rational beings, mm-hmm. yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. I think God made us. One of the sort of the um, downsides of the Enlightenment is that during the Enlightenment, when everything was about rationality and all that kind of stuff, a lot of Enlightenment thinkers reduced the human being as some kind of a computational machine, mm-hmm. basically. Right. All we are, we're reduced to thinking beings, and then Romanticism came along in reaction to that, and they reduced human beings to th- feeling beings, you know, and there's a bit of a pendulum swing. I mean, I'm grossly oversimplifying this, but all that to say, I think we are a lot more complicated than that. So we are about truth, definitely, but we're mm. also about beauty and goodness, right? The the true good and the beautiful. And in fact, if anything, I find that the the beautiful grabs our attention first, mm. right? And then we try to like rationalize it. So um, I think it was Blaise Pascal, this brilliant mathematician from the 1700s, this French guy, uh, who probably could say mustache even fancier. Oh, wow. He like, mustache. Oh, there's no way. <laughs> sorry, sorry. How? Sorry. <laughs> mustache. That's not Sorry, okay. I tried to do this. Just, yeah. <laughs> But anyway, that was um, your fault. <laughs> yes, that was totally my fault, and I'll own it gladly. <laughs> it was so worth it. Um, <laughs> that, so he said that a Christian's task is twofold. One is to show people just how uh, to to present Christianity, to present the gospel, to be so attractive and beautiful, so that the person wishes this were true. And then to show that it actually is, right? So there is that side of that beauty. And, and I think this is what C.S. Lewis did so well, was that because he was kind of living right in the cusp of, you know, modernism, postmodernism, there's that. So he he writes in such a way that he really appeals to the modernist crowd that really wants to, wants that rational stuff. But then he's also a storyteller and he does a really brilliant job of, as he put it, going through the back door of, the imagination such that he can present the rational content in a way that is attractive and beautiful and you can kind of really see, right? And so uh, I just find that that's something we need to keep in mind is, especially when we're talking to people, there in the work of persuasion, there are three things I'm borrowing from, I want to say Aristotle, but I, I don't know. I don't know my uh, Greek philosophy terribly well, but this I know that one of the th- three guys, Socrates, Plato, and Aristotle, I think it was Aristotle, wrote a book on persuasion. He said, There are three things logos, pathos, and ethos. So, logos is sort of the rational content of what you're saying, right? It's something that has to make sense and all that kind of stuff. Pathos is, you know, your, your emotions and your affections, really. But then there's um, ethos. ethos is your personal character, right? Um, A number of years ago, a very uh, popular and famous apologist, um, it was discovered that he had been engaged in all kinds of sexual misconduct 
and, and things like that, right? Um, so many people, like everything that he's been saying might have been true, but mm-hmm. a lot of people throughout his books because mm-hmm. they're like, I can't listen to this guy anymore because his character is so poor and he's a mm-hmm. hypocrite and all that kind of stuff, right? That's what that was a crazy time, man. Mm-hmm. That was a crazy time. So when you're talking to people, right, you have to remember it's yes, truth is important, but you also have to remember that you're dealing with somebody who is more than a rational being, mm-hmm, who is mm-hmm. emotional, volitional, you, you immoral. So you you have to kind of work with that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How would you? Because in my experience, like a lot of the times when I make a defense for Christianity, it's it's hardly ever about the logic or the, mm-hmm. the reasoning behind it. How has your experience been at, I guess, at Apologetics Canada? Like out of those three, I, I'm guessing number two is uh, the one before ethos. Uh, pathos? Pa- 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 pathos. Pathos. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, is pr- it seems to be like the most pre- prevalent. Pre- prevalent. prevalent. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. If you you could... know, that, that's a great question. We have noticed that questions have shifted over the last few decades. Yeah. So in the days of like Josh McDowell and... and you know the yeah. Bible answer man, all that yeah. kind of stuff. Can we go back to those like atheist <laughs> debates? You know, because yeah. I don't, you don't run into atheists really, yeah. at least me personally anymore. Yeah, it's very like it's like spiritual. Everybody's spiritual. Yeah, it's that's strange. True. Yeah. By yeah. far, that's the most common yeah. one. Atheists actually make up a very, very small yeah portion yeah. of the population. It's just yeah. that their worldview can it, it. It's kind of functionally they're dominant in the culture in some ways mm-hmm. because that's the kind of worldview that you work with in all our influential cultural institutions like the university media or politics like mm-hmm. you know there's naturalism that kind of mm-hmm. that's why we talk about atheism a lot but really uh, new spirituality new mm-hmm. age movement that's yeah. that's by far yeah. the bigger one um but going Back to your question about yeah, there there it used to be that people would raise questions like, well, is God real? Right? That's mm-hmm. even well, what about evil and suffering, so on and so forth. But questions have changed. They don't really people don't really ask, does God exist? Mm-hmm. Uh, but people are way more interested in is God good? Mm-hmm. That's really really fascinating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and so that's why, and this is one of those things where they see something ugly in the Bible, for example, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, how can God command a woman who was raped to, you know, marry the rapist or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, not really understanding, of course, I would say the the sort of the historical and cultural context because um, that was more about, you know, the man owning up to what he's done and now committing mm-hmm. to providing for that woman for the rest of his life, you know, that sort of thing. But having said all of that, there is that kind of, people, their questions have shifted. They're, mm-hmm. they're more... So when you talk to atheists these days even, they're way more likely to bring up what they think is an atrocity from especially the yeah. Old Testament. Yeah. So yeah, question, yeah, questions have changed. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's really interesting. I wonder if like, you know, people are just be more aware that there must be a God, whereas mm-hmm. before they were questioning, is there a God? Mm-hmm. People do long for something more than just this physical world. Mm-hmm. I think there was a time when that kind of a view was a little bit more influential, but then people started recognizing, I think, that it's just way too crass. It doesn't really mm-hmm. does a good job of accounting for all of our experiences mm-hmm. of our world. Mm-hmm. And so they are longing for something more than mm-hmm. 
just this mm-hmm. physical world. And I think yeah. that's one of the reasons why you see this kind of explosion of new age spirituality. Yeah. yeah. And in terms of relativism, what we were talking about, it's, it's very much like, well, I like, I want this version of God to exist because this seems like the best idea mm-hmm. based on my experiences. Mm. Right. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that can that can totally happen, and so you find that in actually in New Age spirituality, at mm-hmm. least in the West, there's there's a lot of like mix and match, like yeah, you know, yeah, you know. So would that be like the moralistic therapeutic deism sort of moralistic that therapeutic deism? Yeah, I, I mean, it can be that. Right? Can you unpack so, that? Yeah, moralistic therapeutic deism. It was a. Um, it's really a, a criticism of what people generally believe is this idea. Moralistic means um, you want to do good things, right? Um, so actually, let's work backwards. Deism means, yes, God is there, but he's kind of removed. He doesn't get involved in the affairs of mere mortals kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, therapeutic is, you, but you believe it because... You know, it's good for you, mm-hmm. right? It, it does something uh, good for you. And then moralistic means like you, you if you just do good things, mm-hmm. right? And then every now and then you reach out to God when you need something kind of thing. So it's it's very much a religion of the self. Like mm. you, it's a view of the world where you are at the center. Mm-hmm. Um, whether you realize it or not, that's what it comes down to is you're in charge. You approach God on your terms, Um and I think there's definitely overlap between that and sort of pick your own adventure, kind of a new age belief. The relativism. Yeah. 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 Fascinating. There are many ways to God. <laughs> you know, that's actually, um, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because yeah. often we, we have this uh, uh, shameless plug uh, at Apologetics Canada. We have Come this on. video resource called the Thinking Series where we explore life's five big questions. And number three is do all religions lead to God? And hmm. this one we filmed in uh, Nepal where you can see Mount Everest, right? And the reason we did that is because we, you know, p- people often use that sort of imagery of a mountain where there is the top, but then there are different, all these different paths, paths to yeah. the top. So mm-hmm. the idea is, well, there are all these different paths, like these religions, they all lead to God, you know, that sort of thing. But anybody who likes hiking understands not all roads lead to the top. (laughs) Some roads will, you know, it'll be a dead end. Other roads will lead you to certain death. Mm -hmm. Um, But not all roads lead to the top. And this is a really important thing. I'm glad you brought that up because even in raising questions like, you know, do all religions lead to God? There are a lot of assumptions underneath that, right? Mm -hmm. When you ask that question, you're assuming that, everybody believes there is a God to reach Mm. and that God can be reached. Mm. Uh, Buddhists Mm. don't believe that because they don't believe God exists. So there's no God to reach. Muslims believe that, yes, God is there, but you you don't reach God. Right. So this is, this is a, a, whereas uh, I should say Christianity says, yes, God is there. You can reach God. Well, actually, no religion leads to God. God reached us. Mm-hmm. That's the big Come story, on. right? That that God put on human flesh to dwell yeah. amongst us, to tabernacle amongst us. And that is sort of the 
this, this prefigures what we see in the book of Revelation right at the end where everything is consummated and you hear this announcement, right, this proclamation. Now the dwelling, the tabernacle of God is with people. Mm-hmm. They will be his people and he will be their God. Mm-hmm. Or that's where everything is is leading there. So Christian, the Christian story is all about us being reunited with God. So that's, it's different from Buddhism, different from Islam. Not all three can be true at the same time in mm-hmm. the same sense, right? So that's just how truth works, is that yeah. if there is, when you make a truth claim, and if it turns out to be true, anything that opposes it, yeah. anything that comp- uh, competes with it, by definition has to be false, if yeah. this claim is true. Yeah. That's just how truth works. So it doesn't really work to say your truth, my truth. Yeah. That's just how truth works. I love that. <laughs> that that is literally that's just how it works. That's just how it works. Yeah. And, and yeah. again, like we said this at the beginning of the program, like mm. it just that just sounds so offensive and arrogant. But it's yeah. just the reality. You can't have yeah. a million different truths that lead to different you know, it's just yeah. it's impossible. Yeah. And and, and you know, I'll I'll use this one more example. I know we're probably uh running out of time here, but People experience this all the time, and they don't realize it. So back in 2017, in the United States, of course, Brett Kavanaugh was uh, going through the confirmation hearing. He was sort of nominated for the, you know, the position of um, a Supreme Court justice. So, of course, he's going through. So if you remember what happened, there were all these sexual assault allegations that came out of uh, the woodworks. And the one that kind of took the most sort of media attention, grabbed media attention, was Dr. Christine Blasey Ford. So she was claiming that when they were, I think, 15 or something like that, that Brad Kavanaugh sexually assaulted her, and so he should be disqualified, and so on and so forth. But this was really interesting. Like, it doesn't matter what your political sort of alignment is here, whether you're for Brett Kavanaugh or Dr. Ford, it doesn't matter. But what was really interesting was that after Dr. Ford shared her testimony the uh, New Jersey Senator Cory Booker, this is what he said. He said, Dr. Ford, thank you for sharing your truth. Hang on a second, right? You're thinking, isn't the whole point of this thing to discover what actually happened? Mm-hmm. Right? What is the truth here? Did Brett Kavanaugh or did he not sexually assault Dr. Ford when they were 15? Mm. Right? Because if it did happen, then yeah. He should be disqualified from sitting on the you know bench of the highest court in, in the land. But if it did not happen, then this whole thing is just made up, and you're just ruining an innocent man's life and his family's life, hmm. right? So what actually did happen? I mean, that was the whole point of the exercise. And here's this somebody who's a senator says, "Thanks for sharing your truth." I'm like, dude. And so we we see that, right? Mm-hmm. We we recognize that. The, if we think about it just a little longer, we recognize, yeah, that's that's how truth works. Is does it match reality or not? Does it match yeah. reality or not? They can't both be true. Yeah, that's just the reality. By definition, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, that's just how, how truth, truth works. works. That is just how get that on a t-shirt. Works. Get that on a shirt. <laughs> we should get comment below. Do you want us to get that on a shirt? I don't think we've sold any shirts. No. <laughs> um, <laughs> Well, this is such a great conversation. So how can Christians demonstrate, you know, mm-hmm. love and respect to individuals with diff- different approaches and different perspectives of truth? Yeah. Um, first thing is humility, uh, intellectual humility. Mm-hmm. So just 
go in there with the, I mean, you can be psychologically certain, but be open to the possibility of you being wrong. Yeah, you said uh, that. Yeah. I said that earlier. And yeah. of course, do lots of listening. Um, and the reason I keep emphasizing that is because we don't spend enough time listening. Uh, we, we, because mm-hmm. uh, we feel the pressure, right? Especially uh, evangelical Christians feel the pressure to share the gospel. Mm-hmm. And here's the truth. And, and in a lot of ways, I understand that because if you want to use sort of the medical term, people are dying of stage four moral cancer. And here is the cure, right? And, and I've received the cure uh, to no credit to my my efforts. Mm-hmm. I just happen to know where to find the cure and you can find the cure too. I'm, I was just as sick as you. I just found the cure, right? And I want you to have that cure too. So there is that like desperation of, sharing the truth and but what's really tricky is christianity is the sort of religion where you if you're coerced into it you're really not Mm -hmm. a real christian in in one sense right it it's the sort of thing that um requires willingness Mm. that sort of voluntary yes i am going to commit to you Mm -hmm. kind of a thing and so you can't manipulate that um but just be patient with that process, think more long term, right? Mm-hmm. Nobody wants to be turned into a project, mm-hmm. um, and you can do all the right things for the wrong reasons, mm-hmm. right? I just want to, you know, turn this guy into a Christian kind of thing. I mean, that that's great, but how are you going to do that, mm-hmm. right? Um, and that's going to take lots of listening, and there are maybe times when you know when you've built enough rapport and trust. Mm-hmm. You can step out and say, hey, here's, let me share what, what I believe. Mm-hmm. And I find that most people are really open to hearing what you have to say. Mm-hmm. It's just that if you don't leave room for the other person to share what that person believes, mm-hmm. yeah, then they right. think, well, you're not really interested yeah. in me. Yeah. It's right? not a one-way yeah. street. It's yeah, a really it's, big value and relational thing. Yeah, yeah. it's got to be It's yeah. got to be both ways for sure. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Praise God, man. Well, Steve, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for uh, having today. me. Today, Brendan, thank you for actually showing up. And... <laughs> I'm joking, man. <laughs> true, true. But please true. take your stuff. And thank you for watching. Uh, we really appreciate you guys. Uh, continue to uh, subscribe, be a part of this. We just want to make sure that we bring you truth um, and that you can just uh, be on mission and have the tools, the resources you need uh, to bring life and hope. And I love how you said truth is a person. Mm. Um, and, you know, Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And so uh, would you cling to Christ? Uh, we're grateful to uh, spend time with you. Thank you for tuning mm. in. And we'll see you next week. Bye.